Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's great to see everyone this morning. Uh, it is, of course, uh, Christmas Eve Eve. And so we know this morning we probably have a lot of guests in from out of town. So we're so glad that you've come to visit uh, our church this morning. And uh, hopefully maybe you can make it back tomorrow evening at 5 o'clock for our candlelight Christmas Eve service. Uh, so if you are a guest, first-time guest, uh, we'd love to welcome you. And also, uh, there's a tab in your bulletin. I hope you got one. Uh, fill that out and drop it in the offering play as it comes by. Uh, that could be your gift to us this morning. Uh, one quick announcement. Uh, again, cards, Christmas cards at the Lime Moon Post Office downstairs in the Fellowship Hall. Please go pick them up. Uh, uh, I've had some requests for that, so please go pick up your Christmas cards downstairs in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, this morning, uh, as we approach Christmas, I'm going to be reading uh, from Luke. Uh, and this time, if everyone would please stand. You may remain standing upon the reading of the Word. Um, and in light of Christmas, uh, this, these verses I'm going to read, it is the reason for Christmas. Uh, the very reason uh, for Christmas. Uh, and it says this, Luke 23, starting in verse 44. It was about now the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. Thank you, Brother Zach. We're going to begin the service with singing One Small Child, a great Child in a land of a 
be seated. Pastor, come share the graduates. One, the service David made, it says here, Brother Hurst. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, there you go. So we skipped the, skip the prayer. <laughs> so, we, today is college graduation recognition. Anthony and Laura, y'all come stand up here. We have a dynamic college ministry here at Broadway Baptist Church. Where is Nancy Crawl? Is Nancy? I just saw Nancy. Nancy, raise your hand. Nancy leads our college of ministry. Next week, they're going to Atlanta to the um, Passion Conference there in Atlanta for a few days. I believe that's January 2nd through 4th. Then after that, um, gosh, in about three weeks, we're going to be voting on a new, uh, hopefully voting on a new college minister, Chris Wright, Chris and Lauren Wright. So it's very exciting for our collegiate ministry here at Broadway Baptist Church. So uh, we have two graduates from the University of Kentucky, and I'm gonna, we're going to present them up with a Bible, and then I'm going to let them share about their degree they graduate in, as well as their future plans. So first we have Anthony Crawford. So congratulations, Anthony. So here's your Bible. We also have Miss Laura Davis. So congratulations, Laura. Exciting. Anthony here, do you want to share about your degree and also your future plans? <laughs> so uh, I graduated from University of Kentucky. Uh, I had a journalism degree, and uh, my future plans, if all things go as planned, I'll be starting law school next fall, hopefully at UK. I'm applying now, so just waiting on all that. <laughs> Wonderful. So, all right. Well, that is great. <laughs> Anthony is a future attorney, so, so exciting and exciting for that. All right, Laura. I graduated from the University of Kentucky with an equine science and management degree and a minor in agricultural economics. Um, I currently have a job with UK Healthcare with a new program called Beyond Birth. And that's in the nursing department, right? It's technically under the College of Nursing. It's a program for drug addicted moms trying to get them um, in rehab and how to be a mother and get a job. So, yep. Wow, that's beyond birth. All right, well, congratulations, Laura. That is great. All right, Anthony, Laura, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Congratulations. That is. All right, we are going to have, today is what we call Christmas Adam. It's called Christmas Adam. I think Sherry Osmond named this. Christmas Eve is the day before Christmas. Christmas Adam is two days before Christmas. That means we have children's sermon. Children's sermon. We haven't done children's sermon, I don't think, until what was, uh, B BBS we did children's sermon. If you are a child and you are between the ages of birth and fifth grade, this is your time to shine. You want to come on down? So all, even if you're at wherever you're at, birth through fifth graders, we're going to come and sit right here. We're going to read a Christmas story, and then we're going to get a prize. So we got a Christmas present. So, all right, birth through fifth grade. We're going to have a seat right here. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, we need to, um, you know, we can sit right here as well. Y'all come on in, boys. No, I tell you, y'all can sit on the floor. Now, Esther, we're not going to sit in Daddy's lap. Okay, I knew you knew that. <clears throat> All right, y'all can, girls, y'all can sit down. Anyone else? Any adults want to join children's sermon? Anybody? All right, y'all can sit down. <clears throat> I went to Lifeway this week and got a brand new Christmas book. It's a little long, but we're going to read it. We're going to see the Christmas story here. And then after that, uh, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I'm going to give you a special Christmas prize. So, so all right, so we're, gonna, we're not going to read all of it, but um, are y'all are excited about Christmas? Yeah. You know, and Christmas is the time we celebrate Jesus' birth. So that's in two days. That's where we got to sit down. All right. The Christmas story began a long time ago, before the angel told Mary she would have God's son, before the shepherds saw the angels and wise men saw the star. God had a plan for Christmas. From the beginning of time, God's plan was Jesus. All right, Mr. Dion's going to skip a few pages. <laughs> We're going to go to the middle of the book now. We're going to pick up right here. Just before Mary was about to have her baby, Joseph had to travel to his hometown, Bethlehem. But there were no rooms left for them. In a stable where the animals were kept, Mary's baby, God's son, was born. Have, have you all ever been to a stable where they keep animals? You've been to a horse stable. so Yeah. Yeah, you all been to the same stable with the horses. <laughs> Did you see baby Jesus? Was anybody born in the stable? Benjamin, you were born in a stable. Anybody here born in a barn? Have you all ever heard that expression, born in a barn? Those are for country folks. <clears throat> in the stillness of the night, he came, God's gift of Christmas, the one who would save the world of their sins. See, that's, that's what it looked like when Jesus was born there. All right, we've got three more pages. Now look what happened after when Jesus was born here. In the nearby fields, shepherds were watching over their flocks. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord was shining all around. Do not be afraid, the angel said. I bring good news that will be great joy for all the people. Today in Bethlehem, in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. So the shepherds came to see baby Jesus. Oh, look, some wise men came too. Wise men from the east followed the bright star. The star led the wise men to Jesus, and they were filled with great joy. We have come to worship your son, they told Mary. They presented their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and worshipped him. They brought gold, frankincense, myrrh. Did anybody here ask for gold, frankincense, or myrrh for Christmas? That's what baby Jesus got. All right, this is our last page here. We just kept on turning. <laughs> and what happened is, this is little Jesus growing up here. This Christmas, remember that God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to the whole, so the whole world 
could spend forever with him. God loves you more than you'll ever know. God's glorious gift of Christmas is for you. And what is God's gift to us for Christmas? What was God gave us a gift this Christmas. In two days we're going to celebrate. What's the true gift of Christmas? Jesus, that's right. So y'all remember, children, as you open up your gold, frankincense, and myrrh on Tuesday morning, the real gift is actually Jesus. Children, when you all grow up, you'll get the opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your life and be saved. That's what it means to be saved, and that's why Jesus is called our Savior. Any questions? Yes, sir. Why does Jesus have legs? Why does Jesus have legs? Because he's only a baby. Do you know babies have legs too? That's a good question. That's true. All right, we're done with questions. We're going to have a closing prayer. And then Mr. Daniel has a piece of candy here for you. And then we're going to go back to Children's Church. Let go, Esther. Let go. Sorry. So, <clears throat> Sherry, what if I give you the candy and you'll pass it out? No, no. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift of Christmas. We thank you that in two days we get to celebrate and remember the greatest gift, the gift of you. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with us as we continue to go to Children's Church and sit with our mommies and daddies and learn about you this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we have, we have peace here. What if I give you if you're you if you're getting if you're staying upstairs you need to go ahead and get your candy now. Okay, and then I tell you if you're going downstairs you can get your piece of candy in children's church. Thank you for coming to children's sermon.
Well, Jesus is the one we celebrate today. I'll share with you that Gail is ill this morning, and we appreciate Matthew West coming to play. Now, he's playing piano and organ today a little bit, so thank you, Matthew. I found out something this week. The song, We Three Kings, is one of our pastor's favorite Christmas songs, and we're going to sing it, all five verses today, so enjoy that, will you? We Three Kings.
Father, we thank you for this season, Lord God, and the reason that we're here is to celebrate the most perfect gift that you could ever give. Father, we ask that you uh, bless these tithes and offerings as a gift back to you as a portion of what you've blessed us with. We thank you all that you've given us and blessed us with. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
is a video there from our international mission board. I wanted to play that there since we just had our college uh, graduation there. Uh, since we just honored uh, our, a couple of our co- graduating co- uh, mid-year college students. But that is, we are in the middle of the season. The IMB is the International Mission Board. That's the uh, big umbrella that supports the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. If you look in your bulletin, we've almost raised $10,000 towards our goal of 23500 Remember, every penny given to Lottie Moon. What is Lottie Moon? Lottie Moon is named the Christmas offering for international missions for Southern Baptists. Every penny given goes towards reaching people across the, across the world with Jesus, with the great news, the gospel of that. So, and not only that, if you're, if you're a college student or about to be a college student or a graduating college student, consider going on a mission trip. I remember my first mission trip, I was actually in seminary out of college, I went for two weeks to Indonesia. That opened my eyes. That's a third world country. I think they just had a volcano erupt there in Indonesia as well. The lost, that's one of the largest, I think it's the largest Muslim nation. The lostness was unbelievable. It's still the only time in my life I've ever made a donation to a mosque. I know it's hard to believe, but here's what happened. I don't know if I've told this story. We're in Indonesia, and we're driving down a road, and... These people are standing in the road, and they stop you. It's like a flash mob. They show up in the road, just stop every car going by. And they're holding like, this is the way they raise money in other countries, they're holding like this basket, and they're shaking it. And um, you have to give a donation. There's like, these are like children, teenagers. They're just standing in front of your car like, you're not moving. And they shake the basket. Until you give money to their basket, then they let you go by. <clears throat> And we had to, everybody, we all put like, you know, pennies, whatever, their Indonesian money in their little basket. And afterwards, I asked our translator, I said, what, what were those people doing? I said, oh, they're raising money to build a mosque. That's how they fund it. They just stand in the road and block traffic until you give a donation. You're, I would still be there today if we didn't give money to that donation at the mosque. That's how they fundraise in foreign countries. That opens up your eyes. I was a young man seeing what the lostness of all across the world is. When you give to Lottie Moon, that goes to taking the gospel to countries such as Indonesia. I want to encourage you in your giving. We have one more Sunday the rest of this uh, year, or yeah, the rest of the month as well. Last year, in 2017, December was our most generous month for our church, so we certainly want to say that as well here at Broadway Baptist Church. One of the things about our giving is we do our offering towards the beginning of the service, so like if I preach a sermon on uh, tithing and you're moved and stirred, well, you don't get to give until, I guess, the next time the offering plate comes through and we don't have a night service, it'll be the next Sunday. We created, um, a few months ago, we put these little black boxes out by the uh, Welcome Center, so it's for offerings, prayer requests, connection cards. So if you ever miss the offering plate here at church, you can actually put your uh, whatever, how you want to communicate with the office there at the Welcome Center, those two black boxes in our Financial Secretary Vicki Sims, she checks those every Monday. So that's a great way to certainly continue giving here, as well as um, uh, putting your guest card or your prayer request at there. Open your Bibles to the book of Luke. Zach read from Luke. I'll read from Luke as well. Luke chapter 2. He was in Luke chapter 23 with his reading. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This here is what happened and how Jesus was born. Also, you need to pull out your bulletin. On the back you can see here, Seeing Christ Clearly Through the Manger. 
one of the most challenging things you and I will all experience at Christmas is to see Christ. Christmas time, you see Santa Claus, you see presents, you see uh, shopping, you go to the mall. I made the mistake, I went to the mall on Friday. It's the first, you know, the mall, Fayette Mall has a very large parking lot. You wouldn't think it ever fills up, but it does. On the weekend before Christmas, it's hard to find a place. I mean, even those faraway parking places that no one would, where they set up like the, uh, uh, the uh, where they have the, um, they have a circus at the mall in the fall. Right? They, I don't know if you've ever been there. They have a circus at the mall in the parking lot. That's the parking area nobody parks in. Even those places are filled where the circus is. But <clears throat> we can be dubbed and fooled into thinking that Christmas is about us, and it's about also uh, giving presents to each other and having family time and cooking turkey and ham and just party after event after this and that and travel and trip. And what happens is you miss the Messiah. You miss the baby in the manger. And that's what we've come this morning. That's what the Bible makes very clear. I want you to pull this out. Look what it says down here on the back of your thing, towards the bottom, fourth little paragraph. It says, flee from the idea that coming to church is about meeting nice people, hearing an inspiring message and cool music, and getting to go to heaven too. I mean, is that what church has become? You come here, nice folks. You hear a message, always children's sermons, always the best sermon you'll ever hear. And then cool music. And then you get a free ticket. You, you get your, like, you know the little movie that has the, the uh, Polar Express where you get your ticket punched and you get to go on up uh, to see Santa Claus in the North Pole? And that's why in many ways church can become, you punch your ticket, I'm saved, I got my born-again pass, and I'm going to heaven when I die. And that you've missed the gospel, you've missed the purpose of Christmas, and what it means to be a believer if you believe that. Jesus Christ came because we are going to hell. We are separated from God. And without the baby in the manger, without the Messiah, we're doomed. And we have to remember that we can't miss that for Christmas, and especially for Easter. It's all about Him. Do you know every time that you write what year you were born, or what year it is here in 2018, or in, in next month, it's 2019, do you know when you write 2018, 2019, or whatever year you were born, 1978, you're actually, right, that year splits from B.C. to A.D. Why? Because of Jesus you cannot get away from this man in a manger. But what, what the devil does, and how he dubs and fools us, he makes it cloudy so you and I cannot see what is Christmas all about. Does anyone have any? Does Amazon bringing any presents tomorrow? You have one more shipping day. Anything arriving tomorrow for anyone? No one. So everybody's bought there. You see... How literally, for some of us, you have a countdown to, okay, when's the last day the UPS or the Amazon truck is going to arrive at our, at our house? Jesus is trying to speak to you through all this Christmas noise. And He's trying to tell you this morning, saying, it's not about you, it's about me. So that's what we're going to see here. So open your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out. From Caesar Augustus. 
that the whole empire should be registered. This was the first registration that took place while Clinarius was governing Syria. This is occurring between 4 and 6 B.C. Quinerius later on, he then became the governor again from 6 and 9 A.D., so about 10 or so years later. So this is the very first registration. Remember, why do we have a census? The purpose of the census is so that the folks know how many, uh, the leaders there in Israel know how much to tax the folks, and also for military, military purposes. So if we ever go to war, I know where you live, and I'm going to call you, draft you on up, and you're going to get a gun and go fight, or a spear and sword back then. But that's the purpose. So you want to know who your people are, so you can make, take their money, and then if they, they can go die for you in, in the battle. So that's the purpose of the census. So God, God, this census was no accident. God is completely at work le, uh, leading Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus where he's going to be born because of that census. Verse 3. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house in the family line of David. Mary and Joseph are from the lineage of David. So the way you did a census is you would go back to your hometown and register. Sherry and I, our hometown is in Vestavia Hills, Alabama. So what we do a census here in the U.S. every 10 years. So next census in 2020, that meant, if we were in Bible times, you, we would travel back to your hometown, your ancestral city. That's, you, you always go into your hometown. That's where mama and daddy live. That's where the family farm is. You go back to the family farm, go back to where you own property, and you go back there and you register. So that's what's going on. So they're traveling from Nazareth, which is about 90, 100 miles north of Bethlehem. So this is about a three-day journey. And Mary is with, with great with child, but they have to go there. But remember, too, Mary and Joseph knew their Bible. And in Micah 5, 2, it said that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. So they're probably thinking, here we are in Nazareth, but the Bible says the Messiah here, Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. So... They probably knew we're traveling to Bethlehem and it's a possibility that our baby's going to be born. So they travel there and sure enough, that's what happens. That's what, see how God brought Mary and Joseph to their hometown. So they're going there to Bethlehem in the family line of David, verse 5, to be registered along with Mary who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, <coughs> the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available. Or some of your Bible says there was no room at the inn. You know, one of the things we see here is <coughs> reading on, and we, uh, we studied this last Sunday, the shepherds then showed up, and the shepherds, it says, they came and they found Jesus, little Jesus, lying in this manger. God came via a manger. He didn't come in a king's palace. He didn't come in a wealthy family. He came in a, um, just a place. He was born in a barn, basically. He was one of those country boys, that, that folks that we would uh, laugh at, that was 
from an obscure place in Nazareth, yet he was born in Bethlehem in a barn. And this was a place for animals. Men would put hay and grain in the manger, or in this feeding trough for the animals. And Mary and Joseph found themselves in this hay-filled manger, a place that Jesus was born. And what happens is, we have to be able to say, God, do I still see clearly that this baby born in a manger, in the most unlikely scenario, unlikely place, was actually born so I could be saved? You know, um, yesterday we went to the Ark Encounter. That's Noah's Ark. I'm sure you all know. Noah's Ark is here in Kentucky. It's in Williamstown, right up the road, 50 minutes up, up 75. So we go see Noah's Ark, and we went there because uh, they have a big light show for Christmas. So we go up there, and they have fake ice skating. Have you ever heard of this? Fake ice skating is called glyce. It's actually this new thing. You're ice skating on plastic. So we're up there ice skating, and we go back, and we would look at the, the uh, they have angels, um, not angels, they have animals up there. If they had angels, that would be something else. But they have animals there back behind you can go tour all the animals and see what it would be like with um, someone born in a manger and what's powerful about that is what's amazing about what ken ham the leader of the ark uh, Ark encounter as well as the creation museum up in uh, northern kentucky they have taken entertainment that's the largest wood structure in the world taken something that was very unusual and unique And they have used it as a way to present and share the gospel. There were thousands of folks there. They were passing out gospel tracts. Everywhere you walked in that ark, they were telling you about Jesus. Even if you took a picture of the ark, they've got a cross on the door. All over the place, they're presenting the gospel. And the reason they're doing this, even on the bus ride up there, you have to park, you pay $10 to park in a cow field in Williamstown and ride a bus to the ark. It's highway robbery, I was telling Sherry yesterday. Park in a cow field. Anyway, you park and ride up there. You're listening to them to tell you about Jesus. And I think what's powerful about that is that message of Jesus can be lost. It can be lost in the Christmas lights. It can be lost with Santa Claus. It can be lost with the shopping. It can be lost with all the family activities these next few days you're going to have. But Jesus Christ is looking at you and saying, Are you saved? Do you know my son? Do you know this baby in a manger? Pull out your, if you have your little thing here, look here, the three steps to clearly seeing Christ. Number one, you need to make sure you're saved. This Christmas... Can you think of the time that you asked Christ into your life? Do you know, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. That was not our greatest need. If our greatest need had been technology, and there's a lot of technology out there, God would have sent a computer scientist, not technology. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, goodness, there's a lot of that, God was sent an entertainer. But the Bible tells us our greatest need is for forgiveness. We're sinful. Our greatest need is for forgiveness, therefore God sent a Savior. 
And the question the Lord is asking you this morning, if you clearly want to see Christ this Christmas, you have to ask yourself, am I saved? Do I know the Lord? These children here, that we had children's sermon, the most important decision they'll ever make isn't their schooling. It's not going to be what are they going to be when they grow up. It's not going to be what are they going to get under the Christmas tree in two days. It's going to be do they know Jesus? Is He their Savior? And that's the same question for you. When you see your family these next couple of days, this next week over Christmas, New Year's, there's going to be family members that you know who do not know the Lord. And God is wanting you to tell them about Jesus. God will bring people in your life this next week. It's a prime opportunity to do personal evangelism, to tell folks about the Lord. Not only did, <coughs> do we need to make sure that we're saved, Jesus didn't come to meet your needs. Jesus didn't come to be a felt need. The gospel isn't here so you can... If, many people come to church for different reasons. You might come here because you're having financial problems. You came this morning. You're coming here because you have marriage problems, you have family problems, your kids are wild, or they've become rebellious. You've got cancer this year. Whatever your needs are. And there's, we could go around this sanctuary and there's, there's hundreds of needs. You could just list them off. Every person has 20. But Jesus is coming that your greatest need is that you to be forgiven and that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. And He's speaking to you about that. He's saying, I didn't come here to meet just these other needs that other people and the government and other organizations can meet and self-help books can meet. No, I came to meet a need that only He can meet and that's the need of a Savior. That is the manger. It's meeting a need that we need to be saved. Number three, about seeing Christ clearly through Christmas. In the manger, saying you appreciate Jesus and you serve Jesus is not enough. It's not enough. There's a lot of people here who are thankful for Jesus. A lot of people put nativity scenes on their Christmas cards. That, that doesn't mean they're saved. There's a lot of folks who serve and do good community, meet physical needs here in Lexington, but that's not what it means to be saved. Biblical salvation is when we're able to say, Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. My greatest need is I was a sinner. When Zach read that scripture out of Luke chapter 23, it was about the cross. Jesus came. Why? To save the people from their sins. You know one of the great things in presenting and knowing the gospel is what I grew up learning something called the Romans Road to Salvation. Anybody else learn that? The Romans Road to Salvation. Good. I'm going to have a pop test here in a little bit and we'll see if you know it. Romans Road to Salvation is how you need to be able to tell someone how to be saved. This is something you should teach your children and your grandchildren. And it's one of the great ways to take one book out of the Bible, one of the greatest books, the book of Romans, and to clearly show biblical salvation. In fact, I put the Bible verses up here, because I want you to know, crystal clear know, how, how can I be saved? How can I know this baby here? See clearly him in a manger. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen, no one can get saved until they're lost. The greatest problem you have in witnessing and talking to other folks 
and going to other countries and doing missions work and going to other cities and tell people about Jesus is no one thinks they're lost. Most folks feel if they're a good person, they can pay their bills and they love their neighbors and they show up to work on time, they're going to heaven. I mean, they love America. They vote for the right people. They feel, I'm saved. I, I have that ancestral Christian background. I've got a Bible around, laying around the house somewhere. I've got the Bible app on my phone. Therefore, I'm going to heaven. And Jesus is here reminding us, salvation starts with realizing you're lost. I have to realize I'm separated from God. I have fallen short. No one can get saved until you first realize you are spiritually dead. And when I say spiritually dead, that means there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. I can't be a good person. Good person theology, good, good person preaching is rampant. Just be good, make the right decisions, be a good citizen, and then your ticket is punched to go to heaven. Wrong. Bible says you're a bad person. Only God can make you good. Any goodness that you have comes from the Lord. What happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, here on Christmas Adam, when they sinned in that garden, that has infiltrated us today. And we have a disease called sin. No one is good, the Bible says. Number two, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift, here's that gift, you talk about gift in two days, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The greatest gift we have is one that is going to be able to meet this need of death. The wages, that's a word we don't use a lot today, that means the payment. Because of your sin, that because you've done something wrong, you've sinned against a holy and perfect God, you will die. But God has given us a gift. After Romans 6.23 comes Romans 5.8. But God proves His own love for us. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning, this is how God proves us He loves us. Not only did He come through a manger, but He also marched to a cross. And He came to that cross while we are dying in our sins. And He says, I'm going to prove it to you that you're going to be able to live and that you will be saved. So what do we do? The, the Bible here tells us you're a sinner. There's a payment, which is the wages of sin. You're going to die. So God sees all these people dying. So what's He going to do? God has decided, I'm going to prove to all these people how much I love them. And my son's going to come through a manger, and then he's going to go to a cross, and he's going to die. He doesn't need money. He doesn't need wealth. He doesn't need a hospital to be born in. My son could be born with the animals, the cows and the camels, but he's going to die for all of humanity. Romans 10.9 says this is how we're saved. It says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Look at this. Let's look at this again. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's the Lordship of Christ. Lordship means He owns everything about you. He owns every thought. 
He owns every dollar you have. He owns everything you own. He owns your life. Jesus isn't halfway. Jesus wants all of you. He wants your marriage. He wants your children. He wants your grandchildren. He wants your time. When you sign up to be a believer, when you sign up to be a disciple, it's not for an hour or two on a Sunday or some special holidays, Christmas and Easter, maybe Fourth of July or VBS week. It's all. Jesus demands all. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Look at this. You will be saved. This is how you present the gospel to folks. You tell them that we come through the confession of our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and the belief in our heart. And the Bible says we're saved. So what does this go to? Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not a few people. Everyone. And the question this morning, have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you come to the point where you say, I need to be saved at Christmas. I need the Romans road to salvation clearly walks someone from being lost, spiritually dead, all the way saying, you need to call upon the name of the Lord. And I'm going to ask for you to do that this morning. Some of you here might not be saved. Some of you have never asked Christ into your life. He's not your Lord. Santa Claus is your Lord. Your family and your children and your grandchildren are your Lord. Other priorities are your Lord. Jesus is speaking from a manger. And He's asking, am I your Lord? Have you accepted what I'm here for offering? Jesus came through a manger and He died on a cross. And you have to be able to put all the junk around, all the garbage around us, and say, is He speaking to you? Will you say this morning, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. I'm going to lead us in the sinner's prayer. You know, I, I've been praying about doing this, but it's something <clears throat> that's very clear on Christmas. You might be here this morning and you're a family member or grandchild or whatever, whatever your reason you're here, but you're here and God has spoken to you. And He's saying you need to be saved. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. This is what we call the sinner's prayer. This is the prayer that you can trust in Christ this Christmas and make Him the Lord of your life. So I want you to bow your, bow your head and close your eyes and pray along. You pray silently and you pray with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner separated from you. Lord, I accept what you did on the cross. I accept this baby in a manger. Jesus, I pray that you forgive me of my sins and make me new. Give me the new life that only you can give. I'm yours, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. I want you all to look up. Bible says, if you pray that prayer, that is the sinner's prayer of salvation. That is what it means to call on the name of the Lord. Jesus is speaking to you this morning. And if you've 
prayed and accepted Christ into your life, now is your time to respond. Jesus calls us publicly. If the shepherds responded, if the wise men responded, if Mary and Joseph responded, and they followed, the, they followed God, they followed the star, they followed the dreams what, through Gabriel, surely you can follow him too. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing our hymn of invitation. This is your opportunity to respond to the gospel. We're going to sing in our songbook, hymn number 544, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. As always, I will be standing down front waiting for you to respond. Let's stand together and sing. 544. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yield it and still. Have thine own way. and try me master today whiter than snow lord wash me just now as in thy presence humbly i bow have thine own way lord have thine own way Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yield it and still. Let's everybody be seated real quick. Um, God's certainly been moving this, this morning, so we have some decisions. But I want to make a couple of announcements and share what's going on tomorrow night. Uh, tonight, we do, tonight, the 23rd, we do not have evening worship service, but you do have church tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is our Christmas Eve candlelight service. It's at 5 o'clock, not 6 o'clock. You show up at 6 o'clock, everybody will be leaving. It's at 5 o'clock, and we do that at 5 o'clock, so you can have more time with your family afterwards. So we're going to have, um, I believe the handbells are playing. Uh, we have uh, Kelly Crawford's going to be singing, I think. Uh, I, we also have a family-style Lord's Supper. 
We're going to be uh, singing uh, Silent Night and a couple other Christmas songs with our candles. I'll be uh, sharing the Christmas story as well. It's a great time for you to invite some um, a, a family and friends. I'll be sharing the gospel to make it very clear. It's very important. So it's a great, great opportunity. So that's tomorrow evening here at Broadway Baptist at 5 o'clock. So I wanted to certainly share that. This coming week is a slow week at the church, so we have no Wednesday evening services. So there's no, no dinner, there's nothing going on this coming Wednesday night. So we'll, yeah, the next week, Rick's here, wanted me to remind everybody, the following, I believe that's uh, the second, January 2nd, we're catering, uh, we're having a New Year's, a New Year's uh, dinner that night on the 2nd, and we're catering Texas Roadhouse. So you can sign up in the bulletin, that's black box, you just, if you plan on coming, I think it costs a few dollars more, and that's the price they gave us there across the street. So it says six dollars. I think it's nine bucks. So you just drop that in the black box, or give it to myself or Rick Hawthorne here, and we can. Uh, that way, we have to know by next week uh, about that. Evelyn, you come stand up here with me. This is Miss Evelyn Greenwood, and she's been coming to our church probably about oh, probably a year now or so. So, and she was saved. She's fifteen years old at a Billy Graham crusade in Richmond, Virginia. She was baptized, uh, well, it wasn't at a Baptist church, it was in another denomination by sprinkling, and it wasn't by immersion, but she's going, we're going to Israel, we've got uh, about 29 folks uh, going to Israel next month, and she wants to be baptized in the Jordan River by immersion, as a, receive believer's baptism as it's supposed to be. So that is exciting, Evelyn, we're excited about that. What was that? We'll bring back, well, she said, we'll bring back pictures. We always have pictures, so you'll see, you'll probably see pictures before we even arrive. So, so uh, with that, but it is, we are excited for Evelyn, for her coming here and uh, wanting to unite with our church and also wanting to receive believer's baptism as a, a Christian. It's so important. Christ calls us. She, I was also saved when I was 15 years old. Wasn't a Billy Graham crusade, but I was saved um, at church and, and gave my life to Christ. So it's certainly exciting, to, no matter what your age, to be obedient to the Lord and follow Him in baptism. So if you're excited for Evelyn, you join me saying, Amen. 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 And I want to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to have, our, uh, we're going to have a closing song here with David Dell. And right when we're done, we always have a receiving line. So you can come by and shake Miss Evelyn Greenwood's hand and uh, welcome her part of our church family. David? All right, we'll sing the chorus. So come all you faithful. Come let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let. 